Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. I'm up early. I've been up a long time. I've been up longer than most of you are going to be up today. Man, I tell you what, we got a new pup, new inside dog, and I tell you, he wants to get up and go to the bathroom really early, and then he wants to hang out while I'm working, and everybody else gets to sleep in, so I might be a little irritable. I might be a little irritable. My mood has nothing to do with Mississippi State's draft results this week, which I think were stellar. We're going to break all that down. But before we do, there's a couple things that I want to say about that, since I am irritable, since I've only had probably four hours sleep the last two nights. It's part of the deal. But all that being said, as good as draft night 2020 went for Mississippi State. I don't understand the freak out that some people feel. You know, I believe that Boneyard listeners are perhaps the most educated members of the Mississippi State fan base. I have spoke at length about this draft for weeks. Told you this is who we expect to go. There was some up and down with JT Ginn at times, but I learned some things I'll share with you a little bit later. But we understood that Justin Foscue, Jordan Westberg, were expected to be first-round draft picks and that they would begin their professional careers. You know what? They were both first-round draft picks. Uh, And they're going to sign contracts, and they're going to go make us all proud. We knew that Blaze Jordan was going to be drafted at some point. Went a little bit later than expected. But we've talked about that at length. He's going to get drafted. Told you Austin Hendrick was going to be among the first high school players drafted. He was. But outside of that, there weren't any surprises for Mississippi State. We're going to break all that down today. So all of you that are like, oh, my gosh, what has happened? Listen, (laughs) We got more kids coming to school than ever. We got more kids coming back than ever. I think somebody told me yesterday we got as many as 50 players with all these signees coming in. So playing time is going to come at a real premium. So those of you that are, that are worried we might not play baseball next year need to chill just a little bit. We got a loaded roster coming back and a loaded signing class coming in, and we understand – all the way through this deal, that baseball you always kind of oversign because you know the draft's going to hit you hard. And then they, they take the draft down from 40 rounds to five where well, you're going to have a lot of guys like Rowdy Jordan and Josh Hatcher that in normal years would be drafted coming back to school. So we're going to be fine. We're going to be more than fine. In fact, we're going to be mighty fine. I want to thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show, man. Love those folks. Love that meal. Love that place. You will, too. Go by. Have the spring rolls for the appetizer. It'll make you better looking. I believe the best burger up there is the Pimentology Add Bacon, though I have had some good experiences with the Lauren. You'll find your own favorites, as well you should, because great restaurant-quality hamburgers are sometimes hard to come by. That's what you're going to get every time at Bulldog Burger Company. Now with two locations to serve you right here on a University Drive in Stark Vegas and over there in Tupelo on Gloucester Street, Bulldog Burger Company, part of a family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle for many, many years. They know how to feed folks. Go by, let them feed you. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. All right, let's go ahead and get into this thing. First and foremost, let me run down who went where and give you a little insight on what we learned about all of that. Uh, Austin Hendricks, number 12 to the Reds. No surprise there. Probably the only surprise is that, that he made it out of the top 10. He was a consensus top 15 projection guy. And, you know, out of West Allegheny, Pennsylvania, we knew when we signed him that he would never come to school. We, not, we knew it. I mean, some of these kids play the game. That's what they do. You sign with a college team to kind of put it out there to kind of suggest that you're going to come to school, but uh, that wasn't the case, and we knew it all along. And when I say we, 
I mean me and you, all of us that have kind of kept up with this. If you listen to this show, you've heard me talk about that. Chris Lamona certainly knew. Everybody around Austin Hendrick knew. That kid's a bona fide first rounder. That kid's going to the, the big league someday. So, Austin, we barely knew you, but we'll be proud of you. We'll be glad to call you one of our own. Justin Foskey, number 14, to the Texas Rangers. A little bit of insight about Justin Foskey maybe you're not aware of. Justin Foskey had the uh, the big video with all the people there, and, and everybody was excited. To his right was his mother. To his left was his longtime girlfriend that dates back to high school. Still with his high school sweetheart. I think that says something about him. I really do. Had a chance to meet that whole bunch, man. The, the dad, the mom, everybody. Great folks, man. Absolutely great people. Justin Foskey, among the nicest guys to ever wear the uniform. A quiet confidence about him. Never obnoxious. Just a guy that went out and worked every day, tried to make the team better, came in. Uh, played third base because we had a team need, and then we had a greater need at second base, so we moved him. He embraced it. I don't know that he's a second baseman long term. I don't know. That'll be up for the Texas Rangers to decide. But the bottom line is uh, he's a first-rounder. When I'm drafted out of high school, and, you know, and, and there's always a story. You know, People say, well, you know, he didn't do this, he didn't do that. He, he was undrafted. The, the fact of the matter is he was undrafted came to Mississippi State and left a first-rounder with a couple of trips to Omaha, Nebraska under his belt as well, not to mention a super regional win against Vanderbilt in Nashville. Guy had a good career. It's one of those things, too, you look at how much more could he have benefited from coming back this year. I don't know. Maybe he moves up a spot or two. But, man, I think the book was already out on Justin Foskey and everybody kind of felt good enough. I don't know that he had anything else left to prove as a college baseball player. Really proud for him. Jordan Westberg goes number 30 to the Baltimore Orioles, and that's a comp pick. And, and I, I don't know what's going on with some of you. I, I, I don't. Guys, the comp picks are first-round picks. That's the way it's always been. That's the way it's always will be. Those are first-rounders. I say, well, you know, Steve, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's not, you know, the first, you know, 29 picks. Whatever. The, look, listen, guys. Comp A picks are first-round picks. That's why they tack them on at the end of the first round, because they're in the first round. Don't let other people get in your head. I've read this stuff as of lately on social media. It's like, well, you know, there's a lot of people out there that will suggest some things. Rival fans will get you in trouble. They'll have you start doubting things. Jordan Westberg, great young man, came here from New Braunfels, Texas, Turned down a chance to go to A&M to come to Mississippi State. Now he's going to be a pro ball player. JT Ginn goes number 52. Now here's a little about JT Ginn that I don't think most of you know. JT Ginn very easily could have been a first rounder because there was a lot of action in the final picks of the first round and in its comp picks trying to get JT to come to terms. Represented by Scott Boris, you know, he's one of those super agents, and that guy knows the process. And I understand there were some of the teams that were interested in JT. Uh, he just didn't feel quite as good about the situation. They were, his agent was talking to other people. And I, I was told that he very easily could have been one of those last picks uh, on, on Wednesday. He ends up going to the Mets. Reached out to Mike Ginn last night, JT's dad. Mike, let me tell you, Mike Ginn, his wife and JT, they are Mississippi State people. Listen, these are not interlopers that just happened to get a big offer and wanted to come play in the SEC. JT Ginn's a bulldog, man. JT is a bulldog. Mike is a bulldog. I reached out to Mike, hey, congratulations, Mike. He goes, man, we're so over the moon. JT's really happy with the Mets. We've always admired and respected that organization. Just felt like it was a good situation. So there you go. JT's headed to the Mets. But see, here's the deal, too, And because some people are going to say, well, you know, Steve, well, there's this and there's that. You know, I think when it's finally announced what he signs for, it's going to be comparable to what he turned down. And he was able to come to Mississippi State, make more money, and – go to Omaha and pitch in the College World Series wearing the M over S. 
And for a kid that grew up cheering for Mississippi State, that's a pretty cool memory to have. No, his career didn't go the way any of us, including him, hoped because of some injuries. Wasn't anything that he did wrong. Bottom line is the kid showed up and he you know, developed some arm issues and and he tried to tough it out for all of you. He tried to tough it out for the maroon and white. Wasn't a more competitive kid on our team than JT again. Went out there and pitched as hard as he could for as long as he could until he couldn't do it anymore. And so, you know, I read some of this stuff on social media and people say, well, you know, it's kind of disappointing. Yeah, it's disappointing, but it's not because JT Ginn was a disappointment. It's the fact that JT had some issues. But he is a bulldog. Make no mistake about it. He is a Mississippi State guy. Very uh, grateful that JT and his family came this way, spent some time with us. But the Gens are family, man. They are absolutely family. Let's get on to the next one, Blaze Jordan. That, if there was a surprise, is uh, Blaze Jordan going as low as he did? You know, uh, Blaze goes pick number 89 to the Boston Red Sox. And, and run those down for you real quick. Hendrick was 12, Foskey 14, Westberg 30, Ginn 52, Blaze 89. Uh, most people had Blaze in the top 50 prospects in the country. And to see him drop the way they did was a bit of a surprise. But uh, here's what we were told kind of going in, that there were about 25 teams that, uh, you know, just weren't real high on him. There were a handful of teams that were, and the Detroit Tigers and the Boston Red Sox were two of those five teams that really liked him. Um, because of the way things shook out, he had an opportunity, of course, to, uh, to get drafted by the Red Sox. I, I was told by a family member last night that it was never about money, with Blaze, it was about opportunity. And, uh, you know, he's a guy that could potentially be in the big leagues here in three or four years. I mean, you know, he is a guy that's got some policy to do in his game, but he, the raw power that he possesses is uh, really kind of unparalleled. I mean, you don't see guys – I mean, you saw it when he was 13 years old. He said bombs or wood and bat in major league parks. You know, he won what was the Under Armour, uh, you know, home run derby. Blaze can, can kill it. Uh, but there was a lot of lot of misinformation about his asking price that was put out there, and that's kind of how the game is played sometimes. I mean, you know, it's like they say, you have not because you ask not. You know, so if you put out there, hey, that we're going to take a million dollars, then chances are you're going to get about eight fifty. But if you tell people, hey, we're looking for two and a half million, and that there was a lot of smoke about that, saying, hey, the money that Blaze Jordan wanted was going to require him to go in the top half of this draft, top half of the first round. And uh, when it didn't happen, we all start thinking, you know, maybe there's a chance. Because there's a lot of people in, in college baseball and pro baseball circles that felt like Blaze would benefit uh, from going to school. And just kind of rounding his game out a little bit, he had a chance to be draft eligible in a couple of years. But the bottom line is things worked out for him. And, again, with him, it's not about money. It's about opportunity. And I'm told that, uh, to expect him to sign. I think all of these guys are going to sign. Okay, I mean, it's a foregone conclusion with Westberg and Foscue and, and JT Ginn, I believe. But, uh, but you know, I, I think there will be very, very, very few players that were drafted that don't come to terms. I believe a lot of that was probably handled over the phone before they turned to the pick in. A lot of those discussions. And, and, and if you look on social media, there's a lot of other guys out there that say, hey, just couldn't come to terms with some people and uh, decided to go back to school. That happens, too. I know uh, – well, Casey Optis from Arkansas is one of those guys. Good player in our league, man. Really good player. He's back for Arkansas. Arkansas had a couple losses. But, uh, yeah, but I think Optis coming back is big. It's big for them. One of the better defensive catchers in our league. But there are a lot of guys out there. There's a lot of value, a lot of players that came back. I mean, you can look at Florida. They had a couple of big you know, weekend guys that uh, went undrafted. And it's not an indictment on their talent, but there are some guys who just feel like, you know what, now with this extra year of eligibility, I've got better leverage. And so if I don't get what I want in this draft, I'll just go back to school knowing I've got two years to work with. And so that was the case. And that's one of the reasons that you saw really so many college players taken in this draft. I think I've got the numbers right here. I think I, I think of the 160 picks. I thought I wrote this down, but I didn't. But of the 160 picks, I read that 105 of them were college players. It's almost unheard of. That percentage, it really skewed towards college players. And Lamont has told me probably a month ago, this is not going to be a big high school draft. 
because they're going to go for more of the proven thing. They're going to go more for the proven commodity. They're going to go for these guys that have had, had a little more experience. And uh, what's interesting, too, there's so many people, too, that I have read uh, with great interest that people have been really real critical of them kind of gutting minor league baseball. You know, I don't. there's a lot of people, I don't know if you get this, there are a ton of people in minor league baseball. Well, not anymore because they, they've adjusted that. But there were a ton of people in minor league baseball that really had no business being there. I mean, they, they honestly, there there are some of those UFA guys that just kind of fill out a roster. If somebody explained it to me, they signed for a Big Mac and a Coke, and they're just kind of riding a roster out there, riding somebody's payroll. And so they have adjusted some of that. So now you're going to have, you know, real bona fide prospects rather than having all these teams and, you know, paying all this money to all these people that are never going to have a chance to make the show. Uh, they're going to change some things up. probably will skew more conservatively than they probably should. Probably going to cut a little bit deeper. That's usually how business people do it. But but be that as it may, you you got guys that came from a bona fide national contending type program that had excellent coaching. Those, those, Those people tend to stick until they decide not to stick. There are some people out there that, uh, you know, that, that, that end up somehow working their way into this deal and kind of ride a minor league roster for a long time. But those, those days are, are kind of ending. So let's look around the league here real quick. You know, what we've got, 26 SEC players were drafted. I counted them. Matter of fact, I went to – did all this research myself. But uh, 26, Alabama, Tyler Gentry, probably the best player they've had in some time. Uh, you know, happy for him. You know, kind of the best guy on a bad team throughout his career at Alabama. And uh, he gets a chance to kind of reboot and move on. Auburn with Bailey Horn and Tanner Burns, a couple of pitchers there. They'll, they'll come to terms if they haven't already. Um, and, and great for them. You know, Butch Thompson's going to – he's going to have pitchers, man. Butch is going to have pitchers. As a matter of fact, i got a little story coming up a little bit later about another Butch Thompson pitcher. But, uh, yeah, that, that'll – just getting Tanner Burns out of here. I, I mentioned, too, that a lot of these Friday night guys are kind of moving on. Mississippi State's got their Friday night guy back and Christian McLeod. And people say, well, Steve, what about JT Ginn? We had already adjusted. You know, we'd already put Bednar in the, in the rotation on Saturday. So, you know, we're going to return our weekend rotation intact. We'd already kind of prepared for life without JT Ginn already. And, again, that's not an indictment on him. He's family. But we have already kind of figured those things out. Uh, Arkansas, I mentioned they lose a couple. Uh, listen, they lose Kerstad, and he might be the toughest out in the Dadgum Conference, man, since Jake Mangum's gone. I'm so glad to see him gone. Man, and that's the greatest confidence you can give a competitor, man. You just get tired of playing against that guy. That guy's a great player. He'll be in a league a while. Casey Martin, you know, people remember – you remember Casey Martin had the surgery on his wrist in the offseason last year, and they took that ball out, and they said that was going to fix all his problems, and then he struggled so much this year. Uh, and to the point that Dave Van Horn kind of made some comments about him in the media that were somewhat surprising. But that's two very talented players leaving the Arkansas roster. And so when people say, oh, well, we're losing two talented guys, you know, so is Arkansas. And I think Arkansas is probably our biggest rival in the SEC right now. Uh, Florida had uh, Zach Veen, outfielder. I guess he was taking number nine. He was early. Uh, he's moving on. And it's interesting, Florida, you know, it's Florida's – I thought Florida was going to win the East this year. They're going to bring everybody just about back, and they've had some uh, some signees that uh, they were expected to go high that decided to go to school. So Florida's trending. They're trending. Kentucky, uh, let's see here. Well, Georgia had a couple. They had what, they had Emerson Hancock and Cole Wilcox both went. Now, some, some people have said that Cole Wilcox won't sign. I'm told that he will. So we'll see how that kind of progresses. But uh, Georgia with a couple out there. Um, Let's see here. Mitchell Parker from Kentucky. The fighting Nick Mangione's have a player drafted. Big right-handed pitcher. He's coming out. LSU. Daniel Cabrera. One of the bigger sticks in our in our league. He's moving on. And I guess uh, Cole Henry will as well. Another great pitcher that's given State some trouble. Moving on. And there's always – everybody's going to have somebody. But, man, there's a lot of experienced guys moving on, and I think it only helps Mississippi State's chances of really competing for an SEC title next year. Interesting note that Dave Murray dug up. 
and it kind of goes along with one of the things we talked about on the show early this week. The talent level in the Southeastern Conference is being more evenly distributed. LSU has not had a first-round draft pick in three years, three consecutive years. Mississippi State's had some. Mississippi State's had some. Uh, let's see here. Missouri, Ian Bedal, Bedal, I guess is how you pronounce his name. We don't see them very often. Uh, right-handed pitcher, he's moving on. Ole Miss, uh, Tyler Keenan, who I like. I think Tyler Keenan's a guy that'll hang around uh, in, in, the, in the minors for a while. Uh, Servideo is a guy that they really liked a lot. You know, he's played some outfields at Ole Miss and played shortstop. Uh, so I guess they'll be rebuilding that uh, you know, left side of the infield over there. Tennessee, three players. And, and Tennessee's not back by any stretch. But, I, I, you know, I like the direction of that program. They lose Daniel Crochet, who was one of the best left-handers in the country. Uh, Solaire and Daniels. Uh, Americ Solaire, I saw him play when we went up there last year and was really impressed with him. A&M loses three players. And, you know, A&M, honestly, guys, you know, I don't buy a lot of the A&M hype when it comes to college baseball. I, I know they came down here and swept us here a couple years ago. I, I get it. I just, I don't, I don't, they're underachieving, man. They just, they're not, that program, as talent-rich as the state of Texas is, man, they ought to be killing folks. But they're not. They lose three very good players. You know, Asa Lacey, we knew that he would be going early, and he was. Christian Roa goes, and then Deloach goes, too, one of their better hitters. You had Braden Shoemake a couple years ago went number one in the first round of the Braves. And I tell you, that's who Cameron James kind of reminds me of, is uh, Braden Shoemake from A&M. I think they're very similar players. Uh, moving along here, South Carolina, uh, they had a right-hand pitcher come out, uh, Moldzinski. I haven't seen him, but uh, it's one of those deals, too, where every play, every team in the SEC had somebody drafted, despite the abbreviated selection process. Everybody had somebody. That was South Carolina's. Vanderbilt, of course, leads the way with four. Mason Hickman, Tyler Brown, and I'm, I'm glad to see Tyler Brown out of the league. I wasn't – Mason Hickman's really good, but I, I, didn't, I didn't see him any way – you know, I didn't see him as a guy that uh, that we couldn't hit. It's just, you know, uh, Jake Eater and then Austin Martin, of course, one of the first college players taken. But Tyler Brown's one of those guys, man. He's just downright filthy. So the, Vanderbilt has four. Four players selected. Mississippi State tied with three. I guess Tennessee, uh, A&M, Mississippi State all with three. So 26 in the SEC, which is the most – in the Major League Baseball drafts. Even, even, though, even though they only did five rounds, the SEC still had the most. And three of the top five picks from the SEC, the most of any conference uh, all time in the top five. That's a really cool thing. So that's your draft recap. And there's some more stuff that I want to get into because yesterday we saw baseball in Meridian. I'm going to get that a little bit later in the show. Saw live baseball in Meridian, Mississippi. And some Mississippi State Bulldogs were there. I want to thank our good friends at Hawthorne. They're giving you the fresh alternative when it comes to what to get dad for Father's Day. So many of you right now are thinking, I don't know what to get dad. I'm making it easy for you. Visit Hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co, enlist the help of mom or do it yourself because you know what your dad likes. And if you don't know, you can kind of fish around and fill out that little short two-minute quiz. I don't, it didn't take me two minutes. But you fill it out, and then they will match you up with the cologne that best fits those personal preferences. And then you're going to like the way you smell. I mean, it, it is the best cologne that I have ever worn. I get compliments on it regularly. Because you can't get it in stores. You don't get it directly from them. I've had so many people say, hey, what is that you're wearing? Where can I buy it? It smells really great. Uh, you'll get those same compliments, too. So, again, visit them at Hawthorne.co, H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Use promo code Boneyard, and that will get you a $20 gift card in addition to your purchase. And your dad can use that on an assortment of, of products. You've got uh, lotions. You've got body wash. You've got shampoo, conditioner. You've got all sorts of stuff. 
everything to make you feel good about being dad, you can find right there at Hawthorne.co. Again, it's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co, promo code BONEYARD to activate your bonus offer. So let's get in the top 10. Got a message from a, uh, a young... Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having the outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. Got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Glady, who has asked to remain anonymous, said, Steve, I have a suggestion for the top ten list. My husband thought that I had a crush on Rob Lowe earlier in our relationship. The truth of the matter is, is even though I never admitted to it, I did. There were many times that I would get or watch Rob Lowe movies, and I think my husband was a little bit jealous. So, Steve, will you give me your top 10 Rob Lowe movies? And I will tell you, I've never been asked this question before, but I have a list for you, ma'am. And, I will, and your anonymity is protected right here on the Boneyard. Your secret is safe with me, unless, of course, your husband listens to the Boneyard, and then he's going to hear that description, and he's going to say, hey, was that you that sent him the list? And if he ever messes me, I'll tell him no. 100% anonymity guaranteed. All right, so here are the top 10 Rob Lowe movies in my mind. Again, you can have your own list. And I know many of you, you may even have like a list in your wallet of your favorite Rob Lowe movies. Maybe you have a, a spreadsheet on your computer and you updated it. Maybe, maybe some days you feel differently than others. But here you go. Here's the top ten list. Again, you may have your own list, but your list would be wrong. Number ten for me is the movie Class. And I watched it several times and I remember being, you know, a teenager and all of a sudden Jacqueline Bissett... Uh, kind of expanded the age range of my crushes. I mean, my goodness, she's what a beautiful woman. Uh, Andrew McCarthy, of course, is in that, and he and Rob Lowe are college friends, and then uh, McCarthy goes out and meets an older woman in the bar. It turns out to be Rob Lowe's mother, and uh, hilarity ensues. Number nine is Masquerade, and this is one where Rob Lowe, they, they tried to make him more the bad boy, you know what I'm saying? And some of that didn't work. Like, there's some of those movies they tried to make him the tough guy, and this one, he was kind of pretending to be somebody he wasn't to, to kind of uh, get close to a girl that he was uh, somewhat in love with who had, had some resources that he wanted to get his hands on. And so he kind of pretended. But, you know, it's a good movie, but the, the, the Rob Lowe that's best, the heartthrob Rob Lowe movies are the better ones. You know what I'm saying? When they try to make him, you know, like the, what was that one uh, influence, bad influence or whatever? Those are some of the ones. I'll get that a little bit later. But some of the, some of those, 
There's a few there's a few of them out there I just didn't think worked as well. Okay, number eight for me, and I could have gone a little bit higher here because I'm a Demi Demi Moore fan. And and who who wouldn't be a Demi Moore fan? Big, big, big Demi Moore fan. So we're going about last night. That was one of the first feature films that she was in. She was great. She was the love interest of Rob Lowe in the movie. Uh, And I remember one classic line is when uh, he asked her, they were talking about some ex-boyfriend of of hers, and and Rob Lowe asked, he says, well, did you sleep with him? And, And she said, no, Dan, we were bowling partners. There's probably a lot of insecure guys out there that have asked similar questions. There's significant others, and they deserved the same smart aleck response. All right, number seven on the list is Wayne's World. Even though he wasn't the lead character, I thought he was great in a supporting role. Tried to steal Cassandra from Wayne. Didn't work. Tried to be the... uh, Basically, the manager for Crucial Taunt, man, tried to use his pretty boy slick hair influences and kind of get in there and in the rock scene. But uh, I thought it was great. Thought he was great. Thought he was a good comic relief. Thought it showed a different side of him. But I love those Wayne's World movies. I love the first one the most, but they're both really good. Wish there would be a third one. I really do. You know, Bill and Ted 3 is coming out this summer, if you, if you, did, if you didn't know already. Bill and Ted 3, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Looking forward to that. All right, number six is Bad Influence. That's with James Spader. That's when uh, James Spader was, uh, was kind of the bad boy and tried to kind of influence Rob Lowe and be somebody that he wasn't. It's a good film. Number five for me is another one of those things, too, where uh, you know, this is like slacker Rob Lowe, uh, is Oxer Blues. You know, he uh, tries to find a way to get admitted into Oxford, so he, not, the, not the fake Oxford, the real one over in England. Uh, tries to get admitted over there and gets on the rowing team and all that sort of stuff and trying to impress this girl. And we've all been there. We've all been there, guys. There's always been that girl that just seems to be just beyond our grasp, and so we have to go uh, to do our best to kind of win her affections and, uh, and impress her, and so that's kind of what happens in this movie. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a cautionary tale. You should watch it, Oxford Blues. Number four, Youngblood. This is one of ones – it's a great movie – I didn't like his character as much as some of the other ones because this is a hockey movie and uh, it's also kind of a romantic deal or whatever. They always are with Rob Lowe, right? I mean, there's always a love interest for Rob Lowe, but um, Youngblood's good. It's a good, it's a good, one of those early, mid-80s sports movies and all the things that happen kind of off the ice, that sort of stuff. Number three, a classic movie, and uh, if you haven't read the book, I think every young man, I think every teenage Boy, it sometimes reads uh, S.E. Hinton's The Outsiders, and then you decide which character you're going to be. Well, Rob Lowe was Soda Pop Curtis. I don't know that that nickname has been properly embraced by this new generation. There aren't a lot of guys out there calling themselves Soda Pop anymore. Uh, I don't know what the kids are calling themselves these days. When I was a kid, everybody had a nickname, and you didn't pick it. So maybe some of us need to pick some of these kids at random and start calling them soda pop just so we can kind of get that going again. But for you young guys, perhaps if you've never read The Outsiders, you should. They always say the book's better than the movie. The movie is outstanding. The book is is truly better. It's a star-studded cast, man. Ralph Macchio was in that movie, too. C. Thomas Howell in that movie. Patrick Swayze in that movie. We had a big problem with the socias, man. We did. All right, number two, and again, he wasn't the main character, but he was in multiple of these movies, the Austin Powers movies, man. Rob Lowe has a comedic side, and uh, he was the young number two, if you recall. Uh, and uh, I guess Robert Wagner is number two, and then the young number two is Rob Lowe, and, uh, which makes it even funnier. But uh, really good Really funny. Watch that. Any time the Austin Powers movies are on, like if I'm flipping through channels late at night and kind of looking for something to look, if I always land on them and I have to finish them. And sometimes I get in trouble because they're running back to back and I'm up late and I get irritable like I am now because I've got this young pop that's keeping me up. All right, number one, though. Then It is the Brad Pack movie. You know what I'm saying? 
it's kind of like Breakfast Club for twenty um, somethings. It's Saint Elmo's Fire. There's, it's a great circle of friends. There's so many things that go on, and uh, I've had so many people that said, "Steve, I've never seen that movie." Listen, you, you're cheating yourself, really. Find it today, watch it. There's so many of those great '80s movies that uh, are classics. To me, this is one of them. I think Sound Almost Fire is great. I thought Rob Lowe's character in this was wonderful. Demi Moore in it as well. Ali Sheedy. I'll, I'll, listen, everybody, everybody who was anybody in that movie, you should go check it out. All right, Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of the show, man. They're ready to get you going with uh, some Rooney White merch, and everybody needs more of that in our lives. Uh, Campus Bookmart is going to have everything you're looking for, from novelty items to uh, memorabilia, things for your office, your home, your RV, your pet. You can get whatever you want, Mississippi State-related. And Miss Kathy Brown, if she doesn't have it, she can find it. She is one of those buyers that kind of has, you know, it's like she is like Morgan Freeman in Shawshank Redemption. She's a woman that can get things. So if you need something that perhaps is not on the campusbookmart.net website, shoot her a message, and she'll procure it for you. She'll track it down and get it for you. That's what she does. Campus Bookmart, great, great institution right here in Starkville, Mississippi. Go by and see them. You might be able to coax a hug out of somebody, maybe, especially if you had a mask on. But if you're not comfortable hugging right right now, and you're not comfortable doing shopping in person, you can do it online. Again, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. All orders less than $50, absolutely incomplete. I am confident they will have many things that your dad would enjoy. All right, let's get into uh, yesterday. So, got a phone call earlier this week. Said, "Hey, listen, if uh, if you want to come down and cover some baseball this weekend, uh, we got some baseball being played. And then on Thursday, the first day of the Honor the Game Wooden Bat Baseball League out at uh, Sykes Park, there in Meridian, opening day was supposed to be Tuesday. We had a tropical storm come through here, and the weather was bad." And so, on, so they moved it to Thursday. And so Thursday, Coach Ron Polk is there. It's on the first pitch. And we got four Diamond Dogs that are playing in that league. And uh, just so happened they were playing head-to-head in game one. And so we had Houston Harding and Tanner Leggett on one team. We had Cameron James and Logan Tanner on the other. And so I interviewed all those guys. I'm going to run those interviews next week on jeanspage.com. So you can go check them out. These guys are ready to play some baseball. And I tell you, Gene Swindoll went with me. We got pictures and video of everybody. I did the video. Gene did the pictures. And uh, so that will all kind of make its way to the side over the weekend, more than likely. We're going to be actually going back tomorrow to see some Mississippi State commitments and uh, signees play a little baseball. Get some more pictures and videos and interviews for you. Because that's what we do. That's what we do. A lot of people out there have a platform. It's easy to talk about things from the comfort of your home. We get out and go. We want to go see stuff. I like to have credibility. I, you know, when people say, hey, Steve, what do you know about this kid? Well, I don't want to just base my information based on somebody else's information. There's enough people doing that already. I'd rather be able to say, you know what, I don't agree with that assessment. I went and watched him play. And here's my thoughts. It's a different deal. I think having credibility requires effort. A lot of people have a lot to say. They don't know a whole lot. I don't want to be one of those people. So Cameron James, when I saw him yesterday, I didn't recognize him. I didn't recognize him. He has put on about 15 pounds of muscle, and I am told by someone close to him, he is now deadlifting about 500 pounds. So his legs are bigger, he's bigger. You know, last year he played third base for us, and he was just kind of that thin athletic frame. He's beginning to fill out a little bit. Also understand that the exit velo off his bat right now, running about 103 miles per hour. They're doing some different things with his hands right now to kind of speed that bat head up a little bit. You know, just doing some few things to make him a little more explosive, to help him get a little more lift. 
to help him get that bad head out in front on that point of contact. If he had pulled that ball into the left field lounge rather than just hit a routine fly ball to left center. So they're working with him, and that's what this stuff is about, finding ways to get better. Uh, Cam played shortstop yesterday. They moved him around a little bit, I guess, over to third, but uh, mainly played shortstop. And this is the shortstop of the future at Mississippi State. He'll be our guy for a couple years. I'm a big fan, man. I'm a, I'm, you know, you guys know, I'm a big fan of Cameron James. And I talked with him a little bit, too, about the up and down. You know, he had the first big weekend, then he got humbled a little bit, and uh, then he came back and uh, was really playing well when the season shut down. But I think we got just enough information about some of these young guys to realize, you know, we've got a young nucleus of talent just like we had this big, this great junior class that kind of came together and took us to Omaha a couple times, we're gearing up to go again with a different group. There's no doubt about it. Catcher Logan Tanner looks good as well. You know, one thing some people told me about him is, well, you know, sometimes he gets a little rotund. Sometimes he doesn't maybe work as hard as he should in the weight room. Well, those concerns uh, appear to be alleviated because uh, I thought he looked good yesterday. He looked real nimble behind the plate. Uh, he's one of those guys, too, you know, he, he's never going to be a small kid. I mean, you know, and that's one of the, that's some where his power comes from is his size. Uh, hit the ball well yesterday. It's wooden bat, you know, so it's difficult to kind of sometimes see it all translate. But everybody's a little bit rusty. But uh, of all the guys yesterday, I thought he looked the most game ready of the position players. The guy that really got my attention yesterday was Houston Harding, who pitched 20 pitches, 13 strikes, was able to land his breaking ball and his changeup for called strikes, was able to get swinging strikes on a changeup. And he tells me that's always been something with him. He's always been able to get that swinging strike on a changeup on a fastball count because he gets guys so gassed up. They get so fired up, and then he throws all three – he's got three-pitch mix now, and he's able to throw everything – from the same arm slot. Told me he didn't really throw any breaking stuff yesterday, just really wanted to establish the fastball and kind of work on the grip of that changeup a little bit. And I tell you, for a kid that hadn't thrown in a competitive game since we beat Texas Tech, he looked outstanding, absolutely outstanding. I send that t- tweet out yesterday, and then uh, I get a phone call from Chris Lamonis. Hey, how's our guy look? You know, I mean, so this is not – irrelevant work that these guys are doing. These guys are kind of rounding back into shape and getting ready for fall ball that will be here before we know it. Tanner Leggett played in, in, in kind of a utility guy. Started at short, played some at second, moved around to third. You know, he played some in the outfield for us last year. So kids are really proud to be a Mississippi State guy. Uh, ha- had a nice hit the other way yesterday. There were a couple times yesterday that he had a couple swings that were, really weren't competitive. Then they come back, I guess it's the third at bat, and you can't judge anybody too harshly, you know, something like this, first game back in a, in a summer league swinging a wooden bat. I mean, I don't know if you can ever really say reach any conclusions about anybody. But uh, they pitched him away, and he blistered the ball to right field. I mean, hit it where it was, drug his hands a little bit, knocked it over the first base, a line drive over the first baseman's head safely in right field for a, for a single. Uh, a little bit later, he comes up in the, uh, in the game with the bases loaded, and uh, it's kind of a tense moment there. I guess I think it's a 1-1 count or 1-2 count. And he uh, gets beamed in the head and uh, just gets up and kind of laughs. Didn't ever even hit the ground. It's kind of turned around, tossed a bat, collected the RBI. You know, it was just uh, one of those things. But, man, it's just it was great to be back at the ballpark. It was hot. I paid for it last night. I was absolutely wilted by the time I got home. Coach Ron Polk's coaching one of the teams, had a chance to visit with Ron. Uh, always got a lot to say. You know, Coach Polk's never met an interviewer he didn't love. You know, it just uh, – we, we had a chance to talk and, you know, a little concerned about roster sizes. I mean, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, it's just a different day right now because of what we're all dealing with. You know, it's, it's somewhat of a temporary thing. But, uh, you know, Coach obviously always has some strong opinions about stuff. But the, the, his biggest opinions were about how much we need baseball and how much we need sports in our lives. And I think it's great that Coach is willing to get out there and, and coach a summer league team. I mean, you know, he does it for the love of the game. But the big story yesterday, Kendall Graveman. Seattle Mariners starter Kendall Graveman working back from Tommy John surgery. Missed all of last year, even though he was with the Chicago Cubs organization. Uh, wasn't healthy. Didn't get the pitch. 
through yesterday, hit 95 on the gun. Still a ground ball machine, throws a heavy ball. Did give up one hit early in, in the, the first inning there. Only 20 pitches, just wanted to get loose. And uh, really threw the ball a lot better than I expected. And I spoke with him after, and there's a, I got a story running at 2 o'clock today. Also with some video of, of Kendall pitching yesterday for you guys to check out. You can kind of see for yourself. But uh, Kendall Graveman is a remarkable, a remarkable man. I remember when we, you know, we signed him, you know, he, he wasn't highly recruited. He was one of those guys that Butch Thompson simply wanted. And so they, they signed him from over in Birmingham and bring him over. And uh, he told me some things yesterday I didn't know. Told me he nearly transferred after his first year here at Mississippi State. You know, winning six SEC games will do that to you. It'll make you doubt yourself, doubt your decision. But he stuck it through and ends up going to Omaha and uh, pitching a national championship series final and then, and then going to the big leagues. The, a year, just over a year later, Kendall Graveman was throwing in the big leagues for Toronto Blue Jays the next year. He goes to Omaha in 13. He's in the big leagues in 2014. And he says that this injury has really kind of changed his perception on a lot of things. But uh, it's made him very appreciative of the people at Mississippi State stood behind him, John Cohen, talked at length about Butch Thompson, what a great mentor he has been to him. Uh, but it was, I think it's a thrill for those kids to see a big leaguer out there. But I think it also shows, too, that, you know, the situation we're in right now with, uh, with this COVID-19 thing, man, guys have got to get work wherever they can get it. But he was so gracious. And this is a big league guy out here playing in a collegiate league with some of these guys that are basically junior college players, many of them Division One guys. Got SEC players from Alabama, Auburn, uh, Mississippi State, of course, and, and a lot of other G5 uh, programs like South Alabama, many others. Southeastern Louisiana. But Kendall just needed to work and uh, came out and, listen, he's slapping gloves and he's cheering for his team and everything else. And, you know, guy's a competitor. He didn't think any of that was beneath him. And he said, you know, one thing he wanted to impress upon those guys is that, you know, when he, he said, you know, back when I was at Mississippi State, he said, I don't know how many people thought Kendall Graveman would be a big leaguer. He goes, but Kendall Graveman thought that. And he said, this one of these guys to understand you got to believe in it. you got to believe in yourself. you got to work hard. And good things will happen. And uh, he is quite the story. I mean, he is really quite the story. And, and if, if he pitches uh, in this spring training I got coming up as good as he pitched yesterday, I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be okay. That guy's always on a heavy ball, always been able to get ground balls. He pitches to contact. He's not a big strikeout guy. He wants the defense to work for him. This is a guy that kind of understands how the game is pitched and played. So, again, look for that later today over on jeanspage.com. And, again, we'll be back on Saturday and have a chance to go look at some more baseball. And I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to getting to see that next crop of Bulldogs. And speaking of the next crop of Bulldogs, you know, again, I mentioned at the top of the show, there's this collective panic sometimes. And I know that, I know a lot of our fans, as much as we love baseball, we're really casual fans of baseball. We don't always understand all the nuance. But juniors get drafted. That's usually how that thing works. And you always have more signees than you have spots because you expect guys to leave and expect your, some of your signees to get drafted. So you oversign. Mississippi State, based on the latest numbers, unless I have missed somebody, Mississippi State has 19 signees coming in and uh, a couple transfers. you got the grad transfer from Jacksonville, uh, Duberle coming in to play second. You've got pitcher coming in from Furman. You know, so that's 21 new faces at a minimum that are showing up. And they're going to go out there and they're going to compete, and we're going to have one of the best pitching staffs in the country. And people say, well, what about home runs? You know, Westbrook didn't hit a whole lot of home runs last year either. But Josh Hatcher is back, and Josh will hit in the center of that order. We're going to miss Justin Foscue. We're going to, you know, one of the things you're going to miss the most about Justin Foscue is all of his leadership off the diamond. You know, when he was the guy texting kids and saying, hey, let's go get in the cage. Let's go hit. Let's go do this. We're going to miss that. Some guys are going to have to step up and kind of be in charge of that. That's going to be a different deal for us. But the bottom line is this. Is Mississippi State is going to put a great baseball team on the field next year, and you're going to be able to cheer for them, and they're probably going to have an opportunity to go to Omaha. That's how good we're going to be. I ran down some of these teams, and you look at their losses, they're more significant than ours. But this is the SEC. Everybody here is going to – everybody's going to have a Friday night guy. Everybody's going to have a decent Saturday guy. And then whoever can find that good third guy, 
is going to have an opportunity uh, to do some big things. The team that can get production out of the bottom third of the order and, and round out their weekend rotation with a, a Sunday guy, those teams generally win the SEC. There were some other bullets that we dodged in the draft. Kate Smith out of DeSoto Central, right-handed pitcher. There was some discussion about he may go in the third or fourth round. He did not, and he is a strike thrower. He's a guy that will be able to help us. Maybe not so much next year because we've got so many pitchers returning, but that's a guy to name watch for the future. But a guy that can help us next year is Cameron Tular. There were a lot of people that thought he might get drafted in the fourth or fifth round and then sign because I understand that his asking price dropped considerably as the draft got closer. And then Tanner Allen. That was one that was kind of the wild card. We weren't sure how that was going to go. If it had been a 10-round draft, I think certainly he gets drafted. Some people told me yesterday that there was some late word that he had let some teams know that he really wanted to come back. Working on a medical redshirt and all that sort of stuff. So, T.A. will come on back. We're going to need that big stick in the lineup. And so, while some people look at this and say, oh, my gosh, look at what we have to replace, I look at and say, man, look at what we got coming in. Look at what we got coming back. And look what we didn't get drafted. I focus on what we got, not on what we lost. And I think you should too because I think this draft worked out to really kind of be a best-case scenario because all of the surefire guys that were going to sign were drafted. All of the guys that we knew would be drafted were drafted. There were no surprises for Mississippi State. And that's the bigger issue here. We didn't lose anybody we were anticipating getting. We didn't lose anybody we were expecting. That's the bigger issue. Folks, going to do it for today. Spending the weekend, man, covering baseball and working on book edits. And we'll have that out to you sooner rather than later. You can go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com and you can order personalized copies of Flim Flam and Stark Villains. And you can go to StarkVillains.com and get your Stark Villain shirt. Every time I wear one, somebody says, Steve, where did you get it? Well, it's very easy. Just go to StarkVillains.com and you can order those shirts. Order one for Dad. He'll appreciate it. We don't need any hoodies right now, but you can get T-shirts in a, in a variety of colors and sizes and styles. Again, at StarkVillains.com. Well, that's going to do it for today. Be back on Monday. We'll let you know what we learned about the weekend uh, with baseball and everything else. It's exciting times. Sports are coming back. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.